as you would just get up and go to help other people, God will get up and help you. And as you get up and go to other people's rescue, God will come up to your rescue. What do you need tonight? You're one act of mercy away from God meeting your need. Just give your life for the sowing. In this series, we've been talking about why receiving God's mercy and then giving it away to others is central to coming out of addiction. Maybe some of you have been saying to yourselves, well, that sounds good in theory, but does mercy really work? We think that one of the most convincing ways to show you the power of mercy is to share the story of Frank Leonetti, a man whom God saved from the depths of sin and despair and who has been giving his life away for the last 10 years so that people might know Jesus, the one who gave him newness of life. We hope and pray that by the end of this show, you'll believe that mercy works. Thanks so much for joining us for our series, Victory. This is Purity for Life. My name is Frank. I grew up in Long Island, and I was raised in the church, and at the age of 15, um, I made a decision. I said, Mom, I know Jesus is the truth, but I want to do my own thing right now. And that was the biggest mistake that I've made in my life. Um, It was shortly after that that I started getting involved with the wrong kind of guys, the wrong kind of girls. Um, I started partying heavy. By the time I graduated high school, around 18 years old, I started using cocaine. I started selling cocaine, started making a lot of money. But there was always that moment where I had to lay my head down on the pillow at night and be real with the person that I was. And I didn't like who I was. Um, My sin continued, cocaine turned into heroin. Um, I started becoming violent. I started cutting people with razor blades and told them, look, it's not so bad. And I cut myself also. and say, see, look, now we're both bleeding. Some kind of twisted compassion. There came a day in my sin where I got into a fight with my dad in the house. It was my fault. And in front of my own father's eyes, I took the razor blade and, and, and I opened up my wrist in front of him. Um, I hit an artery. Of course, the... He was on the phone with my mother at the time. It was Mother's Day, and all he kept saying to my mom was, Oh my God, Andrea, Andrea, he did it, he did it, he did it. My father didn't have the strength to call um, the ambulance, so my mother did from Florida. And then I wound up in the mental institution. The doctors had me, I was made to be depressed clinically, ADHD, I had bipolar, I was depressed, I had all those different things, but I do want to say now, where the doctors fail, Jesus has prevailed. I'm not on any medication. Jesus truly has set me free. But in that place was a dark time. And I remember getting a phone call from a graduate in this program, encouraging me to go to Pure Life Ministries. And I had actually gotten myself in trouble with the law. 
So I had a choice, either prison or probation, and then because of the court systems, pure life. If I would go to pure life, I would get a conditional discharge for all my crimes. So when I came here, believe me when I tell you, I had no intention of changing. I did have sexual sin problems in my life. I had drug problems. I had every problem. I was warned before I came here, if I caused any trouble, I would, I would have to leave like anybody else. And so um, I got on the plane and I came to Pure Life. And once I came here, I want to tell you I wasn't nice to the people. As a matter of fact, I was very mean, very mean to the Christians here. But I thank God for the gardener, uh, Ma uh, Mario, who was here at the time. And Mario, he told me, uh, Brother Frank, I know people like you that have come to this program and they've left here and they went and got high in Cincinnati and they died. And all I was thinking about was, oh, I'm probably just gonna go get high in Cincinnati. And it shook me and put the fear of God into me. And I remember trying to, my tactic was so that these Christians would leave me alone is I just tell them the worst things I've ever done in my life. So I would sit down with Brother Ken and um, he, he looked, I told him, I cut my wrist, I hurt this person, I did this and that. And he looked at me with those big blue piercing eyes and he said, Brother, there's nothing too big for the blood of Jesus. And, and, and I could see why the, the apostles were able to pen Jesus' word so easy because when God speaks, you remember every word of it. I was mean to these Christians and they loved me and I saw Jesus in them and that's what provoked me to seek the Lord in this place I remember I was in the last I was here no more than a week and uh, brother Brad was working here at the time and he was one of the top guys and I came out of the last and I just kicked the door open in a rage and this thing comes flying open there he is with all these top guys and and I'm like, oh boy, I'm about to get the, the teeth of a lion, an erupting volcano, you know, what I'm used to. And he just said to me very kindly, Brother Frank, can you come over here? Just like Jesus, what is it I can do for you? That's what he said to his disciples, isn't it? That's what he said to blind Bartimaeus. What is it I can do for you? So Jesus in him, and he prayed for me, for my little problem or whatever it was. You see... I didn't get saved because of a message, but the man was the message. I was cursing them and they blessed me. And as they picked up the cross, I saw Christ in them and it provoked me to seek the Lord. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to give you one real chance. And if you're real, then you have to show yourself in some way. But if not, then I'm going to do my own thing. And for six weeks after hours, you know, you work in this program and all you're tired. I would come into this chapel every night for an hour or two and wait in silence. And I did this for six weeks. I was right around over here in this area where that gentleman with the turquoise shirt is wearing. I was right about there where on the sixth week I had a visitation from God Almighty who came to, to me in this place. And I didn't see nothing. But I'm telling you, a tent of glory came down. And, and when he did... I felt so much love. It was an unshakable love. And then I felt conviction of sin. And I said, Jesus, forgive me. I will follow you 
my entire life and do whatever you want me to do. Just take away my desire to do drugs and make me to love you. Not because it's the right thing to do, but because I actually love you. I'd seen that kind of hypocrisy in the church and I didn't want that. And me being the dust creature, the almighty God struck a deal with me. I don't know how he could be so arrogant as to say those things, but he met me where I was. God will meet you right where you're at today too. And as I went to leave this chapel, it was like the first time I saw that rug right there. I went before I walked out in my true salvation experience. It says lost no more on that rug right there. And I want to tell you that I have not been lost since that day. Jesus who says that he's going to keep you in the palm of his hand. The Father is going to keep you in the palm of his hand. He has kept his word to me. And it's not just meant to me. It's meant for all. All that are here today. God's hand is not short that it cannot save. Save your soul and from the current circumstances. And I don't want to be cliche. When I tell you, when I walked out of here, that suddenly the sky was brighter, the bark on the trees was browner. I saw things with life for the first time, and I was telling everybody about it. I talked to some of my friends who were in the program. They tell me, you know, brother, everybody was praying for you. I thank God for every praying person. I wish you could have seen how the whole Pure Life staff was pleading before God today on your behalf. You might not be able to see the great intercessor at the right hand of God, but maybe you can see him and some of these fine people behind me and before you. It's true. Now I, I'm saved, but I still have all these problems in my life. I have a, a problem of lust. What am I supposed to do with this thing? And I was told to do mercy. That's what you need to do. And I didn't know much, but I didn't need to because of the first thing that they make you memorize here, right? Obey your leaders and submit to them. It'd be unprofitable if you didn't. So I said, okay, I'll just do this mercy. And so I did this, this simple thing. I said, okay, I can cook a meal for somebody. I'll do that. And then I, I saw that chores needed to be done. So I wrote, I, I did somebody else's chore and I wrote mercy in there. And I remember telling, don't take in your heart, just show mercy. God will, you, God, you'll have mercy in your heart. Okay, no, I'll try. And I remember being up, I got to get up at like some, be, be at work, you know, six o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to sleep and these tormenting, perverted thoughts are coming to me and I'm praying mercy for an hour and two hours, three hours in my bed. And it's like round one, round two, and round three, I pray as best I can. And I told Jesus, that's enough. I'm just gonna give in after this because I can't handle another round. And that evil spirit just left the room. I remember being in a worship service here, raising my hands to God, warning God, and suddenly I'm plagued with all the past thoughts of the perverse things that I've done. A particular person comes to mind and I can't get out of it. And now it's the end of the meeting and I yanked one of the brothers and I just said, what should I do? He said, do the mercy that, that they're telling you to do. So I did, I found somebody that was mopping the floor. I must've looked like a lunatic as I was desperate. And I said, do you mind if I mop the floor for you? 
I found another two. He let me. And then I found another. <laughs> I found another two brothers. And I just said, do you have something I could pray for? And I prayed for the request and it broke. God was cleansing my heart. Um, I graduated here in 2010 and I went to a discipleship program. Um, it was in a raw place and my mom called this a honeymoon with Jesus. And I really did. I felt like I was on a honeymoon with Jesus. And a good friend of mine, um, Chris Jackson, he wouldn't mind if I used his name. Uh, he was my roommate. And Chris didn't like me, but God gave me grace to love him. And he, I remember being in a service one time and he says to me, uh, I'm laughing, and he actually says in front of a whole bunch of people, what are you so happy for? I said, Jesus saved me. And then somebody piped up and said, are you mad at him for being happy? <laughs> and he was. But God gave me grace. You see, I wasn't reacting in anger when he was provoking me. God gave me grace. That thing was, was dead inside of me. I was loving him. And, I, and after a full semester, the second semester, he came up in front of the whole small group and he says, I want to say that I came here to see Jesus in the leadership. But I want to say that I've seen Jesus in this brother Frank over here. Since that day, we've been pals. I'm just trying to tell you that these things can die inside of you. As I was there, I had $70,000 in debt because of ambulance and the mental ward and everything else. And I had a great desire to be a minister. I wanted to do something for Jesus. I felt inclined to do something overseas. I wanted something tough, you know, for, for, for Jesus. And I said, how can I go with $70,000 debt hanging over my head? Do you know that the Lord Jesus in his kindness had some Catholic uh, charity step up and pay my debt. And all my ambulance bills, which were just, I don't know, $5,000, got shrunk down to about $400. And I paid that happily because I was free now. I, I had a conviction, I can't go overseas. If I have this debt, how can I? And God just met me. He just did it for me. I graduated that program with a desire to go to India. And I had a chance to train under a great man of God named Brother S.R. Manohar. He was my teacher then, he's my teacher today. He, he is my covering. He's a beloved father in the faith and I love Jesus Christ and that man. And I had a chance to go train under him like a Timothy to a Paul. And I said right away, I knew it was God, I'll go. But I didn't have a dime in my pocket. and. I somehow I have to get to India and I'm it was in that time I went back to New York was with my family I had about three to six weeks to get myself prepared and get on a plane and it was in that time that I said Lord Jesus I know your kingdom I know your heart and I know what I've been told that I can live by faith these leaders of mine have talked about George Mueller they live like this live by faith and I've seen men live by faith I too will live by faith you want me in the ministry then I want you to take care of all of my needs and I'm never going to ask anybody for anything. If, if they ask me, what do you need? That's different, but I'm not going to ask anybody for anything. And then I'll know that I'm supposed to be in the ministry. And the day, Lord, that the finances stop flowing and things look dead, then I'll just quit the ministry and I'll get a secular job, no problem. 
and within a short amount of time from different different people six thousand dollars came for me for my first time to go to india i've gone to india every year for 10 years for six months at least every year because after six months and a tourist visa you have to leave for two so i'd be in india for six months then got added another nation for a month and then i would go to a second nation and then um i would do some work here in the states for a couple months so that's been the pattern over the years but anyhow i came to india and in the first week that i'm there brother manohar is taking me for a crusade first time he's doing crusades in 10 years and we go to sangli to the city of maharashtra now i want you to see a crowd of 20,000 people. And I'm there sitting in the first row. These are all Hindus. They've never had a Christian crusade there. And I'm watching my teacher talking about the beauty of the nature of God, the risen Lord, preaching the gospel, preaching his heart out. And I'm watching the presence of Jesus Christ here and, and all these demon-possessed people start rolling on the ground and the demons are screeching. They're all coming out of the people. I'm seeing signs and wonders. There was a woman who was paralyzed that was next to me no one laid hands on her she was sitting there like this for three days i kid you not on the third day all of a sudden she just came loose she started praising god with her healing there was a young boy that was in the crowd who came up and he testified this is a hindu i testified i had an extra bone in my nose some hand came and took that bone out of my nose i'm talking about major miracles and then after all of all of all of that my teacher said like this, and I've seen this not one time, I've seen it many times, say like this. How many of you today are accepting the Lord Jesus for the first time? Not you've slid away from God and now you're sliding back. Not that kind. I'm asking you the first time that you're giving your life to the Lord Jesus, the first time that you're accepting salvation. How many of you? And I'd see a crowd of 11,000, 12,000 hands being raised up. I really feel like I got to see something special. In my generation, there hasn't been a Billy Graham. I've gotten to see this many times. After my first six months there, Brother Marlon Hart turned to me and he looked at me and said, Frank, there's one thing I never want you to lose while you're here, the dependency that you came here with. You keep depending upon God. And I would learn by watching him, and he also he would send me out around the country I remember getting on a bus and going to co-labor with different ministries. In other words, I'm going to do whatever they're doing. I'm just a mouthpiece, so I'm just your worker. Use me however you want. I get on a, I put on a bus and I have to go to some place that I can't pronounce. Vishaknapatnam. And, and, and I'm there on the bus by myself and I have a phone, which I've seemed to have lost and it slid to the front. I don't know where it is. And I'm supposed to tell the bus driver in about 10 hours, please drop me off. And I'm going and I'm looking, I'm asking, Do you, have you seen a phone? Oh, he has it, thank you so much. Please let me know when Vishaknapatnam comes. <laughs> so finally, I find this place and I don't know who to look for, but they know to look for the white person. And that's how it started. I've had a chance to co-labor with many different ministries one of them if you saw in the video was YWAM down in Madurai so some of the stuff that the Lord has by his grace you understand where I've came from he's used me and I would have a chance to come into the discipleship program and train up these disciples and, and just pour into them what the mercy teaching things that I've learned over the years 
and then I'd have a chance to go out with them into the slums and into the villages. I remember one in particular time that we came to this slum. God did something amazing. I was about to walk into the house and here's a, a grandmother and I have a translator here and she starts saying something and before the translator says anything, I said, she has a severe headache, right? She said, yes, brother. I prayed for her and the Lord Jesus healed this woman and then another boy comes in the door and God, God the Holy Spirit falls down and I just say, you, you've run away from your father. He's very upset and he's looking for you. I didn't need to say anything else. And then I said to him, now that God, Jesus Christ, has revealed the secrets of your heart, why don't you get down on your knees and repent? And with fear and trembling, this young man got down on his knees. We talked the gospel. He gave his life to Jesus. And to my surprise, when I looked over, the grandmother was also kneeling down on the ground, accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got to work with many such ministries that are just dynamite. I wish you could hear their testimony, the founders, the way they suffered, the way they've come up, the way they've represented God properly. After I was there in India for about five years, um, Brother Manohar spoke to me and said, Brother, you are graduated. Though you'll, I'll always be your teacher, you've graduated. Whatever God wanted to give you, He's given you. Now we, well, you could just labor here like you're going, but we want you to start your own ministry. Please pray about it. We feel this is the Lord for you. So we started Mercy Works Ministries. I have a prayer magnet in the back. Okay. So please grab this. And what I tell people is put it on your refrigerator. And every time you go to fill your belly with some salami, lay your hands on this and ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit as we try to represent him properly. So we started this work in 2015, and then God started opening up so many doors to different nations. God gave me a chance to labor in Thailand with a good Baptist ministry. They are full-time in the prisons in Bangkok and in that area, and they reach indigenous people. And I just come along. I'm entering into somebody else's labors. And I remember getting to speak to 40 Thai men in the prison, and 13 of them come forward for salvation. I mentioned a couple people groups that got saved. I'm just trying to weave them in here. I got married in 2018 um, to my wife, Deirdre. And beloved, just keep your eyes on Jesus and keep sowing your life away. And you'll, you'll reap a wife in the right time. God will send the right one for you. And I'm so thankful for my dear wife. She's currently taking care of our little girl. She's a little hyper, but she's ours. And, um, <laughs> see? And uh, so she, she's, my, she's my other half, you know, she, we do this together. Um, in 2018, 19, she literally, I guess, Jesus told, said, right, go sell everything on eBay, right? Sell everything that you have and then follow me. And that's what she did. Um, I've been, I live out of a suitcase for 10 years. I'd never had a house or anything like that. She did the same thing. She just joined the calling. And um, we saw a lot of wonderful things. I frequented Malaysia a few times, and she came with me, and, and it was so nice to share what God was doing with somebody. And in Malaysia in 2019, um, in a, the third largest city in Bintulu, they said, brother, we want you to come here and do some uh, healing crusade or whatever. And I said, I've never done anything like that in my life. But if you want to do that, you have the faith for it, we'll, we'll come. I don't look for titles, I don't look for this name conference or whatever, but if you want a speaker, I'm willing to come. 
And so we went and um, Bintalu is on the map because they have an oil rig right there. So people from Indonesia come, it's very mixed and they have a very, very large church. And I just want to testify to you that the power of God bring hundreds of Muslims for three nights in a row down to the altar. Some of them, they were vomiting demons. God, is, God touched them. He did so many marvelous works there. At that same trip, the Lord Jesus opened up the public schools to us. And we were able to go from school to school um, by word of mouth, by what was happening. There were four or five, you saw the video, there were four or five hundred children, teenagers that were coming, that were there. And then almost three to four hundred of them were coming up every time to get saved. It's really awesome. We came home after that in 2019 for a sabbatical. My wife was pregnant. We were about to have Ariel. We had her in 2020 in February, and then you know in March, um, around that area, that's when the coronavirus hit. And that time, you know, I really believe there was a time to get in the cocoon of prayer and believe for a Christ-like transformation. That's what we were doing. And in that moment, the Lord Jesus gave me a new vision called the Highways and Byways Initiative. And it's a, what I call a new arm that we've grown out of our ministry. And Jesus, of course, said, go out into the highways and the heritages and compel my people to come in and to fill the house. So we've started leading out churches for street evangelism. Uh, we, you know, when Kenosha was on fire, we were there about two or three weeks later and working with an Assemblies of God church in that area. And what we do is on a Friday night, we have a three-hour prayer meeting. On Saturday morning, we give tools for evangelism. It takes about an hour and a half. And then by that afternoon, maybe two to 15, 20 saints that want to share Jesus Christ, we are in the marketplace and just sharing and praying for anybody and anyone who is willing. And yes, you get mockers. Yes, you get scoffers. But once in a while, some believe. And I'm thankful for that. And on Sunday morning, we testify what happened in the street the people share and lord willing there's some new faces in the congregation and the, the church is riled up and then by the grace of god maybe i'll come and share a message like this evening and that's what we're currently doing um, we were still working in homeless shelters in the united states just last week this guy joey if i told you the sexual sin that was done against him i won't but that man was in that homeless shelf and he gave his life to Jesus just last week. And now I'm here looking at you saying, I remember being in that chair, hopeless, not knowing if God had a plan for me. Still continuing to do conferences and we definitely have a heart for overseas when things open up and the Lord leads. But right now our emphasis is definitely on this highways and byways initiative. I want to take a break from Frank's story. You just heard about the amazing ministry that God's given to him of evangelizing, serving, working miracles, and seeing God's provision to him on the mission field. But if you remember at the beginning of his story, he was hopeless and despairing, full of hate, addicted to drugs and sexual perversion. When you look at where Frank was and what his life looks like now, it's impossible to say that that's the same person. So, if you think your situation is impossible, Frank is proof that your life can be changed to become sold out for Jesus and free from sexual sin. You have no idea 
how much God wants to do for you and use you for his kingdom. Now I want to get back to Frank. As we close, he talks about why doing mercy to others works and how it changes our hearts, how it makes us the kind of person that God is pleased to bless and provide for. So if you've been asking yourself, how does this work practically? Then listen up, because the rest of Frank's talk is your answer. Now I would like to conclude here with a very small message, just to tie this together. Something called the selfless sowing cycle. And I could say it best as a brother prayed here this morning when he was interceding. He said, Lord, I pray that they would just sow and not worry about the harvest and not worry about the reaping. And I believe in the kingdom principle of sowing and reaping. And I base my whole life and ministry off of this principle. That I have the freedom to love. And I can give myself worry-free knowing God will supply all my needs. Just give. Don't worry about it. He'll surely supply your needs, right? You'll, you'll reap. You don't have to worry about that. That's the freedom to love. And of course, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We sow mercy, we reap mercy. What you're learning here is mercy just meets need. That's all. Give and it will be given to you. Or as Jesus teaches, not to worry. Not to worry about food and clothing or what you need for your body. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of the plants. He, he feeds them. He clothes them. He actually says, do not seek. He says to them, do not worry and say, what will I wear or what will I eat or what will I drink? For these things the Gentiles seek. And your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things will be added to you. I mean, the emphasis is not on the reaping. That's what the Gentiles do. The emphasis is on the sowing, asking not what the church can do for you, but what you can do for your church. And if we live this way, are we not sowing ourselves? Can you make yourself as a coin and an investment in somebody else and gladly spend and be spent for somebody else's soul? Isn't that what living for the kingdom is? And won't you reap or have those things supplied for you? The selfless sowing cycle supplies need. And when you meet other people's needs, God meets your needs. I love the example of Moses. Moses, you know the story, he killed an Egyptian. And what happened to Moses? He was sitting by a well, fleeing. I imagine being spiritually bankrupt. I just don't have a house, I don't have a wife, I don't have anything, and now here I am trying to do the will of God my way. And what does he do? While he's sitting there, he sees a couple girls, seven daughters, the priest of Raul, coming to buy a well to draw water. And some shepherd boys are troubling them. I don't want you to do that. But he gets up and comes to the rescue, or he gets up and helps them. So he draws water for all these animals, and then they go home early. And their father, Drethro, is saying, why are you home early? Oh, some Egyptian helped us. You know what he's thinking? Oh, he's a hard worker. Maybe an interest in one of my daughters or something, you know? Why don't you bring him home? They did bring him home. And then it was in that place that Moses um, found a home. He found a wife. He, ended up find, he, had, a, he had a child there. Um, and eventually it led to an encounter with God in the burning bush. 
And what I mean to say is this, that as you would just get up and go to help other people, God will get up and help you. And as you get up and go to other people's rescue, God will come up to your rescue. What do you need tonight? You know, is it, is it a wife, a house, a job, an encounter with God? What is your need? You're one act of mercy away from God meeting your need. You just worry about the sowing, or should I say, just give your life for the sowing. And if some people would have a life verse, this would be my life message. I mean, literally, I have tried to just give my life away. And I've seen, without worrying about it, I remember giving my life for Chris. And the next thing you know, the Lord Jesus, out of nowhere, has given me $70,000. I committed my life to, to go on the mission field, that I might sow my life. And the Lord Jesus gave me a little bit of wisdom to see this kingdom principle and say, look, if you just give your life, you don't have to worry about it. I'm going to supply all your needs. I had a spiritual need of when I was in pure life. I had the lust of the flesh. But I learned if you give mercy from the heart, God will have mercy on your heart. Or if you give mercy from the soul, God will have mercy on your soul. Proverbs eleven seventeen. The merciful man does good for his own soul. The soul is the place of appetite. The soul is the place of desire. And God cleansed it. And if you remember Jesus talking about the inside of the cup of the dish, saying, you foolish ones, did not he who make the outside also make the inside? Rather, give alms of such things as ye have, and behold, all things will be clean to you. Jesus says, do this, and the inside of the cup and dish will be clean to you. Do it, and it will be clean to you. Read the Jubilee 2000 version. It says, give alms, and it says in brackets, literally, do acts of mercy. It says it in a few versions. There's a reason why my ministry is called Mercy Works. Because mercy works to bless others. Mercy works to glorify God. And mercy works to cleanse your heart. I believe it. And as I gave my life just doing simple things for other people, in this program I'm testifying to you that I found my cleansing. And God rewired my mind. It's not the big things, brethren. It's the small things. I want to conclude with this because I have a word of encouragement and, and I still have four minutes, so it's important. <laughs> so, okay. So I'll just in the book of Ruth, right? You know this story. Naomi is married, loses her husband. He has two sons. They also lose their husbands. So now Naomi is going back to her own land as a widow. And these two widowed daughter-in-laws are there. All right, go back to your own land, Naomi says. But then one of them says, no, I'm going with you. You know her. Her name is Ruth. She cleaved to her. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Where I go, uh, you, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. You know, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death separates you and me. Says in there, my God will be your God and your people will be my people. You know, she, she's committed. She's committed. She's devoted. She has love. And I want just understand, imagine a young Christian widow or a recent convert saying, this is my God now. 
a young widow saying, I'm going to give my life for another widow. It reminds me of someone like Moses being bankrupt, being willing to give their lives when they're spiritually broken. And if you look at how Ruth loved Naomi, in chapter 1 she speaks one way, the Lord's hands against me, and the rest of the book she's changed because the love of God will change other people. That's what happened when the gardener, Mario, came and gave me a warning. He loved me. That's what happened when Brother Ken took me in his office. After a, night, a graduation, like a night tonight, I knew that if God didn't help me, I was going to die. And he took me up in that room, and after hours, he let me weep and weep and weep and fill that tissue box. I'm very thankful for what God has done for me here. So, now in chapter 2, you see... Boaz is finding out about Ruth. And actually, he says to a, to, a young, to a young man who's in charge of the reapers. You see where this is going? She's sowing her life, not looking for anything. She's not worrying about anything. I'm just going to sow my life. And here come the reapers. And he inquires about her. Who is this woman? Oh, she's a Moabitess. You know, she's taking care of Naomi. She's, a, she's come from another land. She works hard. She was gleaning in the field um, from the sheaves. And she drank a little water and came the rest. And then Boaz speaks to her. And he's like, look, you just get your gleaning here. Don't go anywhere else. And she says to him, why have I found favor in your eyes? Why have you, you have noticed me. And I'm a foreigner. And Boaz says to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you've left father and mother and, and, and the land of your birth and come to a people that you did not know before. The Lord reward your work and fully repay all that you have done. For you have come under the wings of the God of Israel. And then you know what happens? She goes back out into the field and Boaz gives the command, let her even glean from the sheaves. Don't say nothing. Let her get a lot. You know, I want her to reap a lot. He says, oh, you know what? Even leave some sheaves for her. We want abundant blessing. And when she comes home, even Naomi is like, whoa, this is a lot. And she's like, <laughs> says, who is taking notice of you? That's what she said. And I, and I want to say to all of the Pure Life ministers here, I'm very thankful for you. But when you give out of your bankruptcy, spiritual bankruptcy, Jesus notices. When you sacrifice like this, Jesus notices. Boaz noticed. Matter of fact, it was fully reported to him how she was giving herself. Remember, Jesus looked at the treasury and he says he looked for how the people gave, not for what. And as you have given yourself, I just want to say that to you. God has noticed. God has noticed your work and labor of love that you have labored for the saints. And he's not unjust to forget that work and labor of love. I want to say thank you. You've heard thank you for many people, but I want to say thank you to you personally. And now I know there's some young people in here. You're wondering, you know, you're on staff. Is God going to bring a wife or what's going to happen? I have needs. And I just want to encourage you that you can give your life like Jesus. Worry free. He taught that. Judas had the money bag. He knew God would supply all his needs. He wasn't worried about anything. Whatever it is, God will supply extra sheaves to you. 
And I want to say to all of you Pure Life people, you're in the seat. You're looking to be free. If you will just imitate and follow the example of these ones, you know, they're not making a lot of money here. They're striving to be here. It's difficult. But they're giving their lives for you. And if you would imitate what they're doing and sow that mercy in the same sacrificial way, you will reap a clean heart. I'm testifying to you today. And don't say you can't change. I tell you, where the doctors failed, Jesus prevailed. If I could change, you could change by Jesus. And you're saying, do I have any road? Where do I go? This is the last thing I want to say. Is my favorite heavenly-minded verse in the Bible. This is written in one place. You will guide me with your counsel, and afterwards, take me to glory. That's it. We're only here for a couple more years. God is going to counsel us. Why don't we just keep saying yes? Why don't we just keep saying yes? He's going to take us to glory in a very short time. Just keep saying yes. Because he's going to take you somewhere. You're sitting in that seat, but God sees you 10 years. I was here when a man 10 years came and spoke and shared his testimony. And Brother Brad said, that's the man that I want to hear from. A man who has kept the faith for 10 years. I remember that day as clear as day. And now here it is almost 10 years later. And I'm here sharing with you, giving the same mercy and hope that I was given. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for a chance to be able to share this testimony. I pray a special blessing on the graduate today, O oh Lord, that his eyes would be fixed on just sowing his life, knowing that you will supply everything else, O oh Father. Let him be a model citizen that comes out of Pure Life Ministries. And for these men, O oh Lord, I want to pray, Lord, as you came out of the grave and you rose again. Resurrection literally means to stand up again. I pray, Lord, in the inner man that they would stand up again. And I want to pray that they would see, Lord, that you have need of them. You said, I have need of a donkey, Lord. And that donkey exalted the king. Lord, you have need of these ones in this dark hour. And I just want to pray, Lord, that they would know that all things are possible, not just outside, but inside. And I pray that the demonic strongholds that have been holding on, those pending things, oh God, that they would be broken now, even now, in the name of Jesus Christ. Let them crumble, Lord. We root out all those difficult things. Lord, we open eyes to see that the risen Lord can bring them to the other side, no matter the storm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord, for all the staff here and the way they gave their lives. Multiply, Lord, everything, Lord. And Lord, truly let them see those sheaves and give that hope to them, O oh God. I thank you, Jesus, for this chance. Glorify your name, O oh God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. The thing that's really notable about Frank's testimony is how he poured out his whole heart in pursuit of God for victory. When he was told to seek the Lord, he spent every night for six weeks waiting on God in the chapel. When he was told that doing mercy would help him gain victory over sexual lust, he did it in a way that probably looked extreme to others. And when he felt the Lord calling him to missions, he gave everything away and sought to do something tough for the Lord. And I just want to encourage you, God is not a respecter of persons. 
Whatever your struggle is, whatever your circumstance may be, or whatever the Lord's putting on your heart, do it with your whole heart. Believe with your whole heart and watch to see how the Lord will give you an abundance of his life, an abundance of mercy, an abundance of victory, just like he did for Frank. That's all for this week's episode. We'll see you next week as we begin to talk about pictures of mercy. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.